Welcome back to another episode of the Learn to Swing Trade, the Stock Market Podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez, co-founder of the Discipline Trader Academy. So in episode number three, I started uh, discussing my 20 rules for trading. So this, now being episode number four, um, we broke this into a two-part two-part podcast, right? The first series, the first episode, episode number three, I went through the first 10 rules, and now, and now in episode number four, I will go through the remaining 10 rules. Now, again, why do we have rules? Well, if you don't have rules for your trading business, then really all you're doing is gambling, right? You have to have a system. You have to have rules. Now, the nice thing about trading in the stock market is that you are in control. You can decide what your rules are going to be. You can decide what your system is, and you can build your trading business to fit your personality, to fit your risk tolerance, to fit your financial situation, right? So that's the nice thing about building a swing trading or even just any type of of trading business in the stock market is that you can customize it to fit you. So again, with these rules, you can use all of them. You can use some of them, or you can choose to use none of them. It's entirely up to you. The information is just here for you to start utilizing as you build your, as you head down your trading journey. Okay, let's go ahead and get started and go through rules 11 through 20. So rule number 11, I do not trade illiquid stocks. So what is an illiquid stock? Well, an illiquid stock are high-risk stocks that cannot easily and readily be sold or exchanged for cash without a substantial loss in value, even if you use, you know, stop losses and things like that, right? Stocks that don't have a lot of liquidity are very hard to sell because there's no buyers for it. There's going to be low trading act and there's going to be low trading activity and there's other factors that play into it as well. But the two key ones are going to be a lack of ready buyers, right? Remember how the stock market works. There's you as the buyer or seller. Okay, so say you are the seller. You've got your market maker, and then you've got to have buyers on the other side. Buyers are people like you and I when we're buying stocks. So when you sell your stock, the stock market itself isn't buying it, meaning the exchange, the NASDAQ, the the New York Stock Exchange, or any of the other exchanges. They're not buying your stock. They're just fab, they're just hosting or listing the stock. And then facilitating the sell, sale, or buy of it, or purchase of it. There has to be somebody on the other end willing to buy your stock. And if they're not willing to buy it, you're not going to be able to sell it. So just because you hit sell does not guarantee that your stock is going to sell. Because if there's no buyers for it, guess what? Your stock's not going to move. So stocks that are really illiquid, with low trading activity, low volume, Lack of buyers, lack of price action. I stay away from those because they're nothing but trouble. Rule number 12, I do not trade stocks with numerous major overnight gaps to the downside, non-earnings related. Now, this rule is uh, similar to some of the other rules, like why well, I don't trade Boeing. So same reasoning here, right? So if, if a particular stock is prone to more subject uh, headline risk, I'm going to stay away from it. And that's typically going to be the pharmaceuticals, right? All you need is the FDA to make an announcement at 11 p.m. at night that a certain drug is no longer working or it's getting recalled. And voila, you wake up and your stock is down, you know, substantially. Or Boeing is another great example, right? We never know when a when a door is going to blow off an Alaskan Airlines airplane and that next Monday, voila, 
voila, the, um, you know, the Boeing's going to gap down. So there's just, there's, there's certain companies and certain stocks that are going to be prone to increased headline risk. Now, every stock, every company can have headline risk, uh, some more than others though. So I tend not to, I tend to avoid trading those with increased headline risk. Another example of stocks I will not trade under this rule are uh, Chinese stocks. We just don't have enough information and there's too much headline risk and too many things out of our control when it comes to trading stocks that are Chinese. Baidu is a great example, NIO, which is NIO. Um, you know, we just don't know what the government in China is going to do overnight while we're sleeping that could easily impact those stocks in the morning. So I tend to avoid trading any stocks that are Chinese based, right? So that is rule number 12. Rule number 13, I'll take partial profits in increments of a fourth, a third and a half or close out the position entirely. Now this goes with my philosophy of let the winners run, cut your losers quick. So a great way, well, take a step back. When you place a trade, it doesn't matter the size of the trade. There is emotion tied to it. You have money on the line and your, your goal, your desire is to be right, right? You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to have that trade go against you and be wrong. So one of the ways over time I have learned to manage emotions is to scale out of a trade. Now, I typically on a swing trade will not scale in. If I make the decision to purchase the trade, or if I make the decision to execute the trade based on good technical analysis and everything else, then I'm in. I'm not scaling in because if I scale in, I'm going to miss the move, but I will scale out. So I'll give you a great example. This past week, uh, and this is being recorded on January 21st, 2024, uh, I entered a trade for Wayfair. And so I entered that trade and the next morning I woke up and Wayfair had gapped up. Now, the reason it had gapped up is because overnight the CEO had announced they were going to lay off 1,200 uh, employees. Now, unfortunately, the stock market loves layoffs because they view it as cost cutting, which will improve the bottom line, which will improve, you know, everything from there. So from that perspective, the stock market usually reacts positively to companies announcing layoffs. So with that being said, I woke up the next morning to Wayfair being up 13%. And with it being up 13%, that was a gap up to my advantage. So I just got lucky, right place, right time, right? I had no idea the stock was going to gap up. I had placed the trade on good technical analysis. I had a good reward to risk ratio. I had a good bull case thesis on it. So my, my, my technicals were there and the reason for taking the trade was solid. I just got lucky with a much bigger move than anticipated. So when the market opened, I went ahead and closed out one third of my position for a 13% gain. So now I've booked those profits because remember, the profits aren't real or the losses aren't real until you actually take them, until you actually book them. So I booked one third, I sold one third of the stock at the 13% gain. Then throughout the day, as the stock moved around, I ended up selling another one third for a 13.5% gain. So scaling out allows you to start booking some profits. And for me personally, every time I start to scale out of a trade, with profit, it reduces the emotional tie to that trade. 
So in a textbook trade, I'm able to scale out three quarters of the position at a profit, and then I can just let that remaining one third run. I can set a stop loss for it, and I can let let it continue to run uh, if it is going to. And if it doesn't, then I take the I take the profit. I sell the last one third for a profit and call it a day. So managing the trades and managing the risk, whether it's when it's a green trade, I personally like to sell in increments of a third until I've closed out the position entirely. So it's a great way to manage emotion tied to the trade. Rule number 14, I do not trade stocks that are under $10 a share. Why not? For the same reason that I don't trade illiquid stocks. Stocks that are under $10 a share are going to have some, could have some liquidity problems. So I just, I don't want to have to figure out the liquidity and volume and all that on those smaller types of stocks. So I just stay away from them altogether. Rule number 15, I do not trade penny stocks. Again, this is because of the liquidity issue. Penny stocks definitely will have liquidity issues and penny stocks are extremely, extremely volatile. You never know what's going to happen with a penny stock um, on the market. It could get delisted. Um, there's just so many things that could happen with penny stocks. And, you know, going into a trade and saying, well, I've got a million shares of this stock and it's, you know, it's a 50 cent stock. Being able to say you have a million shares of something doesn't mean you're going to be successful. It's not a flex to say you have X amount of shares. I'd rather trade less shares of really, really good, solid companies like Apple and Google and Costco and Home Depot. I'd rather swing trade those stocks and have a lot fewer shares than swing trade penny stocks and say, oh, I've got a million shares of that stock. It's not a flex. Trust me. Rule number 16, I do not trade stocks with a market cap under 500 million. So you're seeing, hopefully you're seeing a theme here, right? We really need to make sure we're trading stocks that have, um, you know, that have good volume every day, that have a good size market cap, that have liquidity, right? There's a reason why we're trading that because we need to make sure there's a market for them. We need, I need to know that when I go to sell that stock, there's a buyer that wants to buy it. That's the key aspect. Rule number 17, I do not trade VIX-related ETFs. Why not? Again, too much volatility for me personally. I know a lot of traders that trade UVXY, which is an index that tracks the VIX. You know, when the stock market is going up, the UVXY is going down and vice versa. Some people can make really good money trading these ETFs. I personally have never been able to uh, be successful with it, so I just don't trade them at all. So I do not trade VIX-related ETFs. And remember, VIX, that's your volatility index. That gives us a sediment on fear in the market. Rule number 18, I never use good till canceled stop losses. What is good till canceled? So good till canceled is when you put a stop loss in and you tell you tell the broker, it's leave the stop loss in until I remove it. So usually GTC orders, good till canceled, will be good for 60 to 90 days depending on your platform. I don't like to do that because that stocks can continue to move one way or the other. So for me, I use daily stop losses and I change them each and every day. So my stop losses are good till the close of the market. And then the next day I reassess based on the chart. Rule number 19, I journal every trade with the plan before I execute the trade. <clears throat> I journal during the trade and after the trade closes. So what am I journaling? And actually I'll end up doing a whole nother podcast episode on journaling. But what am I journaling? I'm journaling my entry price. I'm journaling my stop loss. I'm journaling my risk ratio. 
So I'm journaling that, but I'm also journaling the reason for the trade, right? So again, another great example will be the Wayfair trade that I placed this last week. I documented what I saw on the chart that I liked, right? So Wayfair was bouncing off of a rising trend line. And so I'm documenting how long back that rising trend line is going, how many times it's bounced off of it. Is it bouncing and confirming? So I'm, I'm, I'm documenting my, my thesis, if you will, my reason why I see a good trade setup. Again, that does not mean the trade is going to go in my direction. That does not mean I'm going to have a winning trade. Okay. It just, the, the, the roadmap on the chart is there. And it's saying, you know what, you've got a good chance that this trade is going to go in your direction. So I am journaling all of that so that I can go back and look at if the trade goes in my direction, what did I document about it? And if the trade goes against me, did I miss something in the analysis? Rule number 20, I track all of my profits and losses. This is a business, right? When you start managing your own money and you start uh, trading in the stock market, you have to track your profits and losses. No different than any other business. And if I have more than three losing trades in a row, usually I'm going to hit the pause button and really take a hard look at why I had three losing trades in a row because I want to make sure that I'm that I'm doing everything I can to set myself up for success, right? So if I have three losing trades in a row, I want to take a step back and go, okay, what am I doing wrong here? Or is the market just that chaotic right now. And so, you know, analyzing what went wrong in those three trades is critical. You know, am I missing something? Has a market trend changed? Has a se sector changed, right? What's going on that's causing me to have three losing trades in a row? It doesn't hurt to take a pause to analyze and look at what's going on, but definitely make sure you're tracking all of your profits and losses because you can't build a business unless you have a P&L and know what's going on right or wrong with your with your stock market trading, with your trading business. All right, so that wraps up the total between the two podcasts, my personal list of 20 trading rules. Again, you can use all of them. You can use some of them. You can use none of them. It's entirely up to you. That's the nice thing about this. So I definitely hope you've learned something with this episode and uh, can start working on your rules. If you have questions about setting up your trading rules, feel free to email me. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Montez, M-O-N-T-E-S at iCloud.com. If you have questions on the trading rules, feel free to feel free to email me and I'll be happy to answer those questions or guide you on, on a different type of rule that you might be looking at. And then of course, if you're interested in joining the Discipline Trader community, all you need to do is go to our website. I will link the I will link the website in the podcast show notes, but it's disciplinetraderacademy.podia.com, P-O-D-I-A, disciplinetraderacademy.podia.com. We also have a chat feature there if you have questions for us, but if you're interested in joining the community, check out our website and see what it's all about. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you next week and make sure you live to trade another day, live to trade another week, live to trade another year.